I went through a, a few things in my head this morning and I was like, you know, I feel like God really wants me to tell my testimony for lack of a better word. But I was like, well, I don't really have a great testimony. It's not one of those like knock you off your feet testimonies. And you know what happened the last time someone asked for one, my dad, he asked for a testimony and we went through a whirlwind for two years and we got many testimonies all through there. But um, one thing that I came back to, I keep coming back to because I'm struggling with it is grief. And when it can be your testimony while you're in it, I think that's powerful. And I'm not trying to make it into something that it's, that it's not. It's not a big to-do. And it's not, grief is not loud. It's very quiet and it sneaks up on you. In our church, our church has experienced more loss than I can count. I could name at least one person for everyone in this building who I know you've lost at least since, since I've been here and I've been here my whole life. And um, thank you. Um, and so while I was thinking about all of this, I came back, I kept coming back to a testimony and to grief. And like Brother Micah said, weeping may last for a night but joy comes in the morning. And I, I first want to turn to John 11, and you don't have to stand. Um, it's not going to be long. I'm going to read a couple verses and get going on it. Um, but I, uh, John chapter 11, I really thought about just reading verse 35 and saying Jesus wept and having you sit down and being done. <laughs> but I figured I'd give a little, little context for the situation. But starting in verse 32... It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, this is the NLT for sake of understanding what's going on. Um, It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So I grew up with two parents in normal everyday people household. It was not very eventful. I had no siblings. I learned how to entertain myself. Not, not a lot went on. Had a lot of cousins, nothing too out there and outrageous with my family. I grew up in church. I have been in church since day one. And when, I was, when it was time to leave my parents' house, I chose to stay there. And I say all these things to say, it's not been a big eventful show. I've not had a lot happen. There's not been a lot of terrible tragedy. But if I am equipped to speak about anything as a testimony, it is loss. In 2005, I watched my dad's dad go through his battle with cancer at 10 years old. I watched that. I watched my family come together and take care of him. I watched the whole process. Then in 2009, I was 14, and I watched my grandma go through cancer. And I watched the whole process right up till the end. Then in 2000, 
I can't ever get the year right with this. 2018, my grandpa passed away after absolutely everything. <laughs> and I watched that process. I watched it all happen. I watched, I watched us lose another person. And then in 2021, my dad. It was a two-year process with him, much longer. And I watched all of it disappear. And if I, am not, if I am familiar with anything negative, for lack of a better word, it is loss. I am very familiar with funeral processes. I'm very familiar with what it takes to get a headstone made. I know what it takes to bury someone. I know all these things that I feel like you shouldn't know before 30. Like, you don't have to think about that. And I'm prepared to do those kinds of things. And now I'm, I'm one person away from divvying up assets. That, that will shake you when you have one person left. That's it. And so I, these are the thoughts that I go through every day. And so I thought, you know what? No, I have to turn myself around and I have to stop thinking about everything that's gone because God's still here. God is always still here. So I walked through this story in you know, John 11 and <clears throat> some of the, the parts that really stuck out. I'm so sorry, I'm trying to find where I'm in my notes. Um, at two different times, you see Mary and Martha both tell Jesus, if only you had been here. If only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And unlike us, where we know the end of the story, a miracle, we know the miracle's coming. Mary and Martha didn't know that. It's just like our everyday life. We don't know if a miracle's coming. We don't. And as much as we like to believe that we pray and something happens, it doesn't always happen the way we think it will. Something happens, but God's mind is not always changed. Sometimes his will is greater than anything we can understand. It goes beyond our understanding. Amen. So, many times over, I have wondered what would happen, what would have happened if God decided to step in and make a change in any of those situations that I've been through personally. But I've got to remember God's version of a victory, God's version of you know, victory over death is not mine. <laughs> My victory over death is Lazarus being raised from the dead. And I'm like, ooh, we're all back to life. But death came again. Lazarus is not still here. So God's victory over death is giving us life after death and giving us an eternity. And that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so while reading the story of Lazarus, again, we know there's a miracle coming. But... We wonder, you know, if God's going to perform a miracle in our lives. In the waiting, in the midst of grief, because while they got a miracle later, they did have to go through grief while waiting, you know, while waiting for Jesus to come. He waited a couple days. They had a couple days of the pure grief of losing someone who lived in their home. That that is a different kind of loss than someone who you see on the weekends or a different kind of loss than someone you talk to once a month 
or even, even someone you call every day. It's different when they live in your home and they leave things behind and you don't see them. But in this story, in the midst of grief, Martha held on to her faith. And she said, yes, I have always believed you are the Messiah. Even in her grief, she believed in the Lord. And she knew what he was capable of. There were doubters at the end of the story that were like, oh, he healed a blind man. Why can't he raise him from the dead? Well, he can, but you've got to have faith. You've got to believe in the midst of your grief. Even when something has been lost, when you've, this, this doesn't even apply just to death. Now, we've all experienced some sort of loss in the form of death, but that goes for someone who has left your family, someone who, they won't talk to your family anymore for whatever reason. They've decided that they want nothing to do with you. I don't know why. I don't know why people decide things. People, we're human, and people make weird decisions sometimes. They decide they don't want anything to do with you. They decide that, you know, they're just going to change their life path midway. They hit 40, and they hit a midlife crisis, and all of a sudden, they're gone. I don't know. <laughs> Driving off in their sports car. But <laughs> I, um, <laughs> you planning? <laughs> Um, <laughs> said amen at the wrong time. <laughs> um, but I just, no matter what kind of loss it is, no matter what kind of loss you've experienced, whether it's someone who's just estranged or whether it's someone who's gone permanently, you need to hold on to faith. I'm thankful that I had years of teaching that built a foundation for me. I'm very thankful. I can't imagine trying to find my faith in the middle of loss. I'm trying to find something to hold on to. People do that frequently. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot. People don't have any sort of faith in God. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, I have nothing to hold on to. And they worry. And the worry leads to panic. And in the panic, they'll grasp at anything. Brother John told us this several times in our hyphen class when he would teach us. And I've heard it several other times. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And it sounds really simple. But when you don't know what to do and you're panicking and you're floundering and you're just trying to find something, you have to do what you've done every day. Y'all, I have struggled with some grief and this is, again, this is mostly a personal testimony, but I have struggled with some grief and it is debilitating. Like, I have never experienced that. My poor husband. <laughs> He hears all about it. I want to do so many things. I am a doer. I like to finish tasks. If I don't finish it and get it checked off the list, I have failed. If I don't get my checklist done for the day, we're, that's not a good day. And in grief, sometimes you cannot move. You're done. You've maxed out for the day. You've had too many interactions. You're done. 
That goes for any kind of depression or anxiety or any of that. It does. And in all of that, I kept remembering, you know, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Well, what I know to do is go to church. I know to be around godly, God-minded people who are keeping me heaven-focused. Because to be real honest, when you get earth-focused, it's heavy. And you have to be eternity-minded, is what we always called it when in our hyphen class. We called it eternity-minded because when it came down to whatever thing we were struggling with that week, whether it was a test, whether it was something really hard, whether somebody lost a job, whatever it was, we were like, you know, in the end, does it make a difference of whether or not we go to heaven? If you've lost that job, will it keep me from going to heaven if I don't have a job? No, it won't. Will failing that test keep me from going to heaven? No, thank goodness. Thank goodness we don't have to take a test to go to heaven. (laughs) And I say all this, you've got to stay eternity-minded. We have to keep going even when it's hard. Y'all, it is hard to get up sometimes. It's hard to get myself dressed for church on a Wednesday after I have been at work all day. It was hard to do my hair tonight, not gonna lie. And some days it's just hard. It, It is but you have to keep going and you have to give it up to the one who trades beauty for ashes and he trades the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He has all of those things for you. You have to let go though. And I am working on it every single day. I'm letting go. There's a song that says, let go and let God. Well, I'm working on it. That is my motto. (laughs) But we all know the things that we have to do every single day. We all know the things that help us stay close to God. We know, we know. We have read the Bible. We have prayed. We have spoken to the Lord. We have surrounded ourselves with like-minded, godly people. We have surrounded ourselves with leadership that is there for us when we need them. And they are there. They're there if you call. And those are, those are the things that you, keep, you have to keep doing. You have to. And I'm, I'm talking to myself in the state of grief, but that goes for depression and anxiety those are also very debilitating. And I'm sure we could list out 300 other things that are just as debilitating. And sometimes it's just not having your own will. It's not having that control of your own state of mind. And just, you don't know. You don't know what to do. You're like, I don't know why I want to go or I don't want to go. I don't know why I don't want to do that. I don't know why I don't want to participate. I don't know why everybody makes me mad. When people offend you, when you're hurt, when you're heartbroken, when you have lost something so precious, you have to keep going. Offense is one of those really heavy things that if you don't keep going and keep plowing ahead, you will never get past it and it will weigh you down. You have to keep 
surrounding yourself with the right people. You have to keep reading God's word. That's very important. When Brother Micah asked me to do this, he told me, we're focusing on revival and healing. And I was like, Lord, if there's anything I need healing in, it's my mind. It's my mind and my spirit. Because in the midst of all of this, I have experienced some serious doubt. Not, not that the Lord exists, not any of that. It's just the way things worked. I was like, but why did it work that way? And I know the Lord, you know, he, he has a plan. And I've, I've heard it explained many times like this. The Lord's plan is an ultimate prophetic will. It's a very large will something that we don't have control over. And in fact, we are a very, very tiny piece, but we are only part of it if we want to be. He will do his will with or without your involvement. If you don't find a way to be involved or find a way to be used, he will find someone else to do that. You don't have to be part of it. So when we pray and we ask God for his will and we ask God for something that is selfish, or something. We have to keep ourselves in the right perspective. When we talk to God about what we want to happen, we've got to remember that his will is so much bigger than we can understand. In Job chapter 42, he actually says, I I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things that were far too wonderful for me. That's the Lord's will. The Lord's will is far too wonderful for us. It's far too wonderful And we can't understand it, but just keep in mind that when the Lord does not change his mind, as we know he will sometimes, if the Lord does not change his mind, if the Lord does not choose to answer your prayer that you think is so important, and I hate to break it to you, but we are very tiny pieces in this puzzle, y'all. And it is a very large puzzle. And the Lord in letting someone die is not, it's not a bad thing. He's just let them come home sooner. Honestly, it sounds very peaceful. And after much thought on the situation, I'm very jealous and I'm tired. (laughs) And I, I just cannot wait for the day when I get to see my dad and I get to see my grandma and I get to see my grandpa and I get to see my other grandpa. And I get to see anybody else who's gone before me. Brother Jack and Sister Veda come to mind often. But even in grief, you can have joy unspeakable. And you can have the peace that passes all understanding because there is very little understanding in this situation. And I just want to encourage you to Please keep going. When things are hard, get up. Get up out of your seat. Worship. Raise your hands, even when they're heavy. Raise your hands. Speak when it's hard to open your mouth. And speak good things. Think on the good things. Think on the Lord. Think on all those things. And this was a very simple testimony, a very simple lesson that I know we've heard in other ways, but it's important. It's very important, especially now that I have experienced a lot of it firsthand, a lot of that heaviness and that burden that 
you can't see and you don't understand. Having experienced it, it makes it so much more real. So much more real. If you need healing or if... Healing is not just in the body. Healing's in the mind. Healing's in the spirit. If you are feeling offended at someone, even in this building, if you are completely bogged down and burdened and don't even know why you show up, I encourage you to let someone pray for you. And the best way to let them know you're willing to be prayed for is to come down here. So come down to the altar and make yourself available. If you would, please come and do that right now and we will pray for you. We love you and we want to pray for you. We want you to have that peace that passes all understanding. We want you to have the joy that God gives even when it's so hard to keep going. So if you would please come down, come down and be prayed for. I need it too. (laughs) I'll meet you there. (laughs) Wow, why don't we stand tonight? That was a powerful word. You notice what Sister Rachel, one of the things that she emphasized was that Martha made the move towards Jesus. She had been in the house with Mary, being comforted with every, by everyone through the midst of the loss. But when she heard that Jesus was coming, there was a mindset that, was, that shifted. She said, that I, I truly believe this. It was a very powerful thought. I mean, that we, we know how the story ends. We know how the miracle ends. She did it. But even in that grief, while everyone was comforting her, while everybody was mourning with her and Mar- Mary, Martha gets up in grief. And she goes to Jesus. What else can we do? Where else can we go? I believe that there is something moving in this house tonight. I I believe there is a spirit of healing that is flowing through the heart of honesty that spoke tonight through the Word of God. I'm not... I want Sister Rachel... I want you to go ahead and I want you to begin to lay hands on those ladies. God's given you a word. There's an anointing there. There's an authority of God's presence and God's word that's moving right now. If you need healing in your life, if you need a touch in your spirit, if you're wounded by a past hurt, if if an unanswered prayer has caused you to doubt, if it If a healing did not come, then it's caused you to feel that you've been kept out or unwanted. If 
you feel that God is somehow ignoring you and not listening to you right now, there is a moving of God's presence that if you would move towards Him right now, He was grieved because the people could not believe. He was grieved because they could not trust beyond what they saw in that moment. Yes, Jesus wept. But there was still a miracle. Do not stay in one place surrounded by your grief. If you need God to put something back together, by all means call upon His name and seek Him right now. And let your life be changed by the one who can. Let your heart be moved upon by the one who can. In Jesus' name. As a church, why don't we come to this front tonight? Ladies and gentlemen, adults, boy and girl, man and woman, husband and wife. Come on, we need God to move in our hearts and we need God to move in our lives right now. There is no one exempt right now from a touch from God. Now is the perfect time. Come on, why don't you pray for the person that's next to you? Come on, why don't you pray for the person that's right next to you if it's appropriate? God, right now. you pray for someone next to you that God would answer their prayer you need God to comfort your spirit why don't you pray for the person that's right next to you for their healing and for their deliverance for their heart come on let a spirit of ministry begin to operate come on let God turn the tide in your life when you begin to pray for someone else
Ladies, why don't you stretch your hand towards Alejandra right now? God, that everything that she has felt and everything that she has heard, everything that has come into her life in this season, oh Lord, that it would hold her and would keep her that her spirit and her mind will never forget that there is life and there is trust and there is love in you, oh God. Keep her, guide her, strengthen her. Let her know that she is cared for. Let her know that she is loved. Let her know that the very cost of Calvary was for her, oh God. I'm, I'm asking right now that you would heal what needs to be healed in her life. That there is hope in front of her. That there is still joy for her, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. There's such a sweet presence of the Lord here right now. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for every one of you. I'm thankful for our guests. Sometimes I get in the mindset and, you know, I, 20 years as an evangelist, I generally just came to the pulpit and preached, didn't have much of the announcements. And sometimes things just slip my mind and sometimes I forget to say, hey, it's good to see you. Brother David, it's good to see you. I'm praying that God continues to open the door, that you're here when these doors are open. You do so much for this church. I know your, your boys, they're, they're very diligent. They check the doors. They, they help Papa take the offering. But this is your house too. And I'm thankful that you're here tonight. We've been praying for you. We love you. I looked over tonight and I turned around. I'm like, who in the world is that sitting by Brandon? was Jackson. I was like, when did, did he grow up? Next Sunday he comes in, he's taller than me. I'm going to be mad. Sister Lisa was here last week and it slipped my mind that her, her brother had passed. and I didn't make mention of that. and I worried that I offended her. There is a sweet presence of the Lord that's here right now. I want you to know I love each and every single one of you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for your love and your prayers one for another. And I'm thankful for your prayers towards us. I believe great things are here and great things are coming. And if you will believe with me, we will see it. And we'll walk in it. And we'll walk through it together. We'll praise with each other. We'll rejoice one with another. God bless you. Remember our summer Sunday service Sunday night. Pastor Cody Price from Sherwood, Arkansas is going to be here with us. God bless you. Love you. We'll see y'all soon.